Water always wins. I have a friend that uh, he loves to say that. In fact, he says it all the time. And I was on a trip this summer in Colorado on vacation, and I told my friends that were with me that um, that was a, a favorite quote of his. And so I, I said it several times. But I discovered on that trip that there's a big difference between quoting something and experiencing something. I was fly fishing in the Eagle River. It's west of uh, Denver. And I don't know if you've ever fly fished before, but uh, we might try it today. Um, you guys might be in danger over there, so keep your heads clear. Would hate to take off an ear or a lip or something like that. And so I'm, I'm fishing in the Eagle River, and the water is like really high, and it's really dangerous. And, and I'm with my wife and uh, several other guys, and, and, and I'm fishing, and I've got my line down uh, the river there, and they holler at me, and they say, look behind you. And so I look behind me like this, and there's this ice chest that's flowing down the river. And so I, I grab the ice chest, and I, I check it, and, and it's got peanut M&Ms in it. It's like my favorite candy, right? Peanut M&Ms. So it's like, thank you, Jesus, for sending me <laughs> peanut M&Ms. This is awesome. That's all that's in there are these one bag of peanut M&Ms. Somebody lost their ice chest. Well, it was a nice ice chest, and we had seen boats go by, and so I thought, well, I'm going to do the neighborly thing. I'm going to take this ice chest, and I'm going to wade through the water because I've got my waders on and my boots and my vest and my hat. I'm going to wade through the water. And I'm going to set it over here on the island so that if there's a boat that comes downstream and they've lost it, they can pick up their, their ice chest. Well, while I'm waiting over to, to set this down, I catch a fish. Now, if you know anything about fly fishing, you know that's not the way that you catch fish. I mean, this is like a totally accidental. So I got, I got an ice chest in one hand. I got a fish on the line here. The water is trying to, you know, to take me downstream, and so I'm trying to get the ice chest there, and I'm trying to pull the, the fish in to get the fish landed, and so I catch this really nice brown trout, and so I, I managed to do all of that. I release the brown trout, and then I, I get to watching, and I see that, that down the river, just a little bit farther, there are all these trout that are rising to the top of the water. Now, again, if you're a trout fisherman and you love to fly fish, I mean, it's on. You know, I mean, that's where you want to go. And so I start moving down the river. And, and as I'm moving down the river, my friend Rod Crossman, Professor Rod Crossman, he's in the river with me about 50 yards back. He's hollering at me. And, and he's saying the same thing. Don't go any farther. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I can't reach the spot that I'm trying to reach. And so I keep letting out line. Uh, whoops, I just hooked the altar. And uh, nice, nice catch there. That's really nice. So um, we'll see if we can. I hope, I hope I didn't do any damage to the, the altar. You know, maybe we'll just lay this down here and walk away. So I'm, I'm like trying to get to this spot, and, and I cannot get my line out there far enough because the wind is blowing, and the current is flowing, and, and it, it's crazy. And, and, and my friend Rod Crossman is continuing to say, don't go any farther. Well, you know, the water at this point is, is like up to my waist, 
But I'm still hanging in there, and I'm just sliding, and I'm just inching my way because I see all of these fish, and nobody is catching these fish, and I want to be the one to catch the fish. And then all of a sudden, boom, the water won. I'm gone. And I discovered the truth of my friend's favorite quote, water always wins. Now, Eric Reeves, who is uh, this phenomenal artist, uh, cartoonist, he's a, an IW alum, he's married to Dr. Lori Reeves. Uh, Eric draws the High and Lois uh, comic strip, if you, if you read the, the funny papers. He was not on this trip, but he heard about this story, and so he created this cartoon. <laughs> That's me. I'm like down the river, ending up by TJ Maxx. I mean, you know, I'm like way down the river, and I'm, I'm trying to protect this, this rod and reel that is really expensive that I don't want to lose, and I don't want to drown either, but I, I really didn't want to lose the, the rod and reel. I wanted to be able to, uh, be able to, to save it and, and save myself. And so finally, I, I get down the, the river, and I manage to, to get to safety, and and I now have personal experience with this whole idea of water always wins. Well, this, this semester we're sharing stories, and, and that's a little bit of a story of, uh, of me getting very wet and being able to testify to the power of water. This morning, I, I want us to look at a story that's, that's really one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And, and you heard Charlie read it to you earlier. There's several reasons why I love this story. The, the first is that... It involves fishing, and I, I love to fish. There's something about pursuing fish, even fish that you don't catch, that just engages my heart and my mind and my spirit, and, and I just love the idea of, of, of fishing. And, and you got fishing in this story in John chapter 1, 21. I also love the beach, and, and you've got the beach in this story. Some of the, the greatest moments in my life and my story have been on the beach, some of the hardest work that God's ever done with me has been just me walking along a beach, praying and listening to what it was that the Spirit wanted to say to me. Some of the best healing that's ever taken place in my life has, has taken place on a beach. So, so you can see why I love this story. It's got a beach, it's got fishing, and then the third piece that it has that you may not know about me is that I love breakfast. Yeah. I mean, Baldwin could make breakfast for lunch and breakfast for dinner and breakfast for breakfast. And I, I, anytime you want to have breakfast, you just call me because I love breakfast. Breakfast is, is supposed to be the, the best meal of the day, the, the healthiest meal of the day. I just think it's, it's a really good, good meal. So this story from John chapter 21 has all of these elements. If it only had a golden retriever running somewhere around on the beach, I think this would be the greatest story in the Bible. <laughs> Other than the resurrection and the cross and, you know. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Can you imagine fishing all night and you catch nothing? And then a, a few words from Jesus and you have this mega catch. And then you have breakfast. Think about this. Think about your favorite breakfast place in the world to eat. But then think about what that must 
pale in comparison to when you think about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords fixing you breakfast. I mean, Jesus fixing breakfast has got to be about the coolest thing that I think that you read in, in Scripture, right? And that's what he did. He made, he made breakfast. And then there's this walk on the beach that, that I, I really like. It's, it's also found in John chapter 21. Let me, let me read you these verses. Verse 15 says, after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He then asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Then he said it a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm telling you the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself and went everywhere you wished. But when you get old, you'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. He said this to hint at the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he commanded, follow me. Turning his head, Peter noticed the disciple that Jesus loved following right behind. When Peter noticed, he asked Jesus, Master, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus said, if I want him to live until I come again, what's that to you? You follow me. Like Charlie, I was on this beach a few years ago when I made a trip to the Holy Land with Dr. Wilbur Williams. Of all the places that we visited, and, and we saw some really cool sights, of all the places that we visited, this was the highlight of the trip for me. You see, I, I could stand on that beach and I could look out into the Sea of Galilee and I could see the disciples in my mind's eye fishing. And I could see Peter jumping out of the boat and, and swimming to shore and greeting Jesus. And, and I could see Jesus putting his arm around Peter's shoulder and taking him for a walk and talk down the beach. And as I stood on the beach there that day, thinking about this passage of Scripture, John chapter 21, it dawned on me that Jesus always comes looking for you and for me. Some of you may have come to IW to hide from Jesus. Let me tell you, you picked a really bad place. Because I don't even notice this or not, but we talk a lot about Jesus around here. And the truth is that you, can, you can't go anywhere to run and hide from Jesus. And, the, and the, the, the message over and over and over again in Scripture is that Jesus continues to pursue you, continues to look for you, continues to want a relationship with you. I... Um, I grew up a few blocks from a beach in Florida, and then as an adult, I had the privilege of living a few blocks from the beach in California, and, and I love beaches, and I confess that, that I love IWU, but there are a lot of days, like 365 days a year, I think, when I think about how cool would it be if we could just transport the Marion campus to a beach, right? How many of you would vote for that? Just, you know... Yeah. So, so here's the deal. I don't care whether it's the East Coast or the West Coast or the Gulf Coast. I just like to be able to kind of, you know, carve out our 350 acres and, and get some sort of a teleporter, transporter or something. Just, just drop us down someplace and, and be on a beach. 
I just love the beach. I think beaches are great places to, to walk and talk and pray and reflect. So here we are at the end of the first week of uh, classes, the beginning of a new academic year, and, and, and I want to just give you kind of three really quick thoughts from this story that, that I hope that they might resonate with, with some place where you find yourself today. When I, when I hear somebody else's story, when I read somebody else's story, I've found that there are always some lessons to learn, some mistakes to avoid, some, some truth to hear, and, and I think Simon Peter's story here on the beach gives me lots to, to ponder. Now, now, the seven of the disciples that go fishing, verse 3 tells us that they fished all night and they caught nothing. Now, these guys were not hobby fishermen. They were professional fishermen. In other words, they did this for their livelihood. They were, they were experts at, at what they were doing. Verse 4 tells us that Jesus, who they did not recognize, stands on the shore and he asks them out loud if they've caught anything. Now, there's nothing worse for a fisherman than not catching fish. Maybe the only thing worse for a fisherman not catching fish is for someone who is not a fisherman to offer advice to the fisherman. Now exactly what this guy on the shore who they did not recognize at the time does for them is to give them some advice. Now if you're fishing all night and you've not caught anything, the last thing you want to do is to admit it out loud. I mean that's really embarrassing to say, no, we, we haven't. So, so this random guy that they're not sure who it is gives them this great advice he says to them try the other side that's genius i mean if you're in the boat aren't you thinking wow never thought about that but let's go from this side to that side i mean how how great is that and, and you read the story and amazingly they do what he says and they can't even fold the net in because they've caught so many fish. Now here's the lesson that you may be thinking. It's not the lesson you should take away, but this may be the lesson that you're thinking. The lesson you may be thinking is take Jesus fishing with you. Because he's like the ultimate fishing guide. He knows where all the fish are, so make sure that whenever you go fishing, take Jesus with you. Well, that's not the lesson that I want to give you today. I think the lesson here is simply go deeper this year. If you're not satisfied with your spiritual life, what if you were to make a commitment today that, that you're going to make some changes? Maybe you, maybe you need to find an accountability partner. Or, or you're going to dig deeper into the Word. Or you're going to pray bigger prayers. Or you're going to commit to being a part of a small group. Somebody has said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. When you look back upon your summer, summer may have been a great spiritual awakening time for you, and you come to, to campus and, and you're just on a spiritual high, and if that's the case, I hope that, that your spiritual high will be contagious and it will just infect all of us. For others of you, you may have taken the summer off, literally, this summer. You haven't spent much time praying, and you haven't spent much time in the Word, and and, and maybe you come to the end of this first week of classes and find yourself in a desert. I, I love what our dean of the chapel, John Bray, has told us recently. Wherever you are with God, there's more for you. There's more. So, so I hope that, that today, as you think about this story, that, 
that you just make a, a commitment that wherever you are with God, you're, you're going to go deeper this year. And whatever that means in, in your life. There's a second lesson in this story, and that's one that I can really resonate with. It's what I think happened during this walk with Jesus down the beach. Now, I know there's this conversation between Jesus and Peter, and there are moments when you think one or the other of them is hard of hearing or just not very bright. Because Jesus asked one guy three questions, basically the same three questions in a brief span of time, as if he's looking for a different answer. I know, and I've heard, and you've heard, and I've preached sermons about the Greek words for love here in the story, and I'm not going to do that today. For me, when I read this story, I think it's simply an invitation to start over. I mean, not only can you go deeper, but for some of you, you just need to start over. Have you ever needed that on, on your journey? Maybe it's with a friend where the relationship has been damaged. Maybe for some of you it is academically. A part of my story is that, that my freshman year of college was a disaster academically. My, my GPA actually turned out to be better than what it should have been just because evidently there were some, some professors that I think felt sorry for me or something. But, but I, I, my freshman year, if somebody came by and I was sitting outside reading a book, preparing for class, and they said, hey, you want to go play tennis? It was like, well, I got class. And they said, well, blow it off. And I was like, yeah, I'm there. And I would go off and I would play tennis or whatever the invitation was. And, and, and I had to make a decision, a decision that maybe some of you need to make, which is, you know, there's a reason why I'm here. And, and the reason why I'm here is, is not to blow off class. So maybe some of you just need to start over academically. I was thankful for the opportunity to start over, and and, and maybe some of you need to make that decision today. This year can be so different for you and so less stressful for you if if you remember why you're here. Well, Simon Peter's problem wasn't grades, and it wasn't the lack of fish. If you remember the story, he had denied Christ three times, even called down curses in his denials. And I'm convinced that this little walk down the beach with Jesus was all about restoration. It was a chance for Peter to be reminded that, that he was loved and And the call upon his life was to follow Jesus, and that was still in place. You can go back and read the original call in Matthew 4, John chapter 1. Imagine with me today that we're leaving Marion this afternoon, and we're driving to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, to go to the beach. It'd be a fun road trip, wouldn't it? It's 807 miles, 12 hours and 44 minutes, according to uh, MapQuest. Now, let's say that, that... We're making that journey, 12 hours and 44 minutes, and we go 6 hours and 22 minutes, and we have a flat tire. What do you do? You don't call a wrecker and have the wrecker tow you 6 hours and 22 minutes back to the Marion campus and change the tire here. You find a safe spot. You get help if you need help, and you change the tire, and you keep going on your journey. So if you're here this morning and and you find yourself with a spiritual flat tire and you're broke down beside the road and going nowhere and life is passing you by and you're discouraged and maybe even depressed, while I can't take you for a walk on the beach, I can tell you that you can start over. And then there's one last lesson for me in the story and it's found in verses 21 and 22 where Peter gets to looking around and he says to Jesus, what what about him? His reference was to John, his fellow disciple, And Peter was doing what I think we can all be guilty of doing, and that is playing the comparison game. 
We do it in athletics. We do it in the classroom. We do it on the stage. We do it in the residence hall. We have this inclination to look at others and compare ourselves. And this wasn't the first time that this had happened in Peter's life. And I read this story, and I think Jesus must have listened to, to Peter ask this question, and he wanted to just you know, bury him in the sand right there or baptize him in the Sea of Galilee and hold him under for a while until he gained some kind of maturity because it's like Peter just doesn't get it. But he didn't do any of that. He simply reminds Peter that, that John is not his issue. And the message here, I think, is simply follow closer. When you're tempted to look at others, that's really a good time for you to pray. When you find yourself thinking about what somebody else is getting and you're not, it's a great time to spend more time in the Word. When you're frustrated by the attitudes and actions of others, go sit in front of a mirror for a while. While you're doing that, memorize these words from the book of Hebrews. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. You've probably seen the bumper sticker. If you can read this, you're following too close. Jesus doesn't have that bumper sticker. You can't follow him too close. So, really simple, go deeper. Something we can all do this year. For some, maybe it's start over. And for others, perhaps it's just to follow closer. I told you at the beginning of this message that water always wins. There's another story about another person in the New Testament that's found earlier in the Gospel of John chapter 4. Her story was rather tragic until she met Jesus. Five husbands living with another man who was not her husband. Jesus sought her out at a well. They have a most interesting conversation and in that conversation Jesus says all you have to do is ask and you will be given living, living water. See, living water is the ultimate water that always wins. And if I know anything about Jesus, it's that he always wins, and he always wins for you. We're going to close our time together at the end of this first week a little bit different. Um, I've invited some of my friends and your friends uh, to come forward. So faculty and uh, staff, would you just make your way uh, up front? Uh, others that uh, have volunteered to be a part of this? Come on down. So we start this new year. I just think it, it's a great tradition that we've practiced in previous years, and that is the opportunity to be prayed for by somebody that, that loves you. And that's what you're seeing with all of these good folks that are coming down this way. So look around for, for just a moment and see if there's somebody that you'd love to have pray for you. Or maybe see if there's somebody that you don't even know, but you just think that, that the Spirit is leading you to them and, uh, and you'd like to, to let them pray for you. I'm going to pray in just a moment, and, and then uh, that's just going to be the start of the prayer. It's going to be a little music in the background, and we're going to give you the opportunity to come and just stand in front of whoever it is that you feel led to have pray for you this morning and they're going to pray a prayer of blessing upon you your prayer may be to start over to go deeper to follow closer they're not going to ask you any questions but but if you want to share anything with them you can do that but they're just really here to to pray a prayer of blessing upon you more coming even now so got some more spots over here and you can fill in right here so Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your pursuit of us. Desire that you have for each of us to walk in step with your spirit. 
Thank you for stories, for the stories that are represented in this place. Thank you for what happens when we come together as a community of faith and we have a chance to intersect our stories with each other and most importantly with your story. And I pray now that as we close this service, the end of this first week, at the beginning of a brand new academic year in prayer, that we'd be reminded that we stand on holy ground. That you're pursuing us and loving us and calling us. We offer ourselves to you. I invite you to come and have prayers of blessings prayed upon you. Father, we have people who are still praying. And they'll pray as long as we need to pray. But as we stand here today and we reflect on this chapel, we think of your grace where Jesus pursued us and came after us. Where he picked up a broken guy and said, there's hope for you. We're all in need of that hope and need of that grace. I pray that your blessing would be on us so that we can turn can be a blessing so that this campus and this world will be changed forever through the power and grace of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and in whose love we trust. Amen. God bless you. Go make a difference.